Expounded Universe, Season 13, Episode 4, Warden Caught Me Jagging Aff. The book, Mall Lockdown. The year, 2015. The author, Joe Schreiber. That's the wrong order. Chapters 19 through 22. With your host, Jeff, and in a surprise twist, John. Let's go. everybody, welcome to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Novel Discussion Podcast. I'm Jeff, joined as always by my co-host John, and I can't wait to find out how he's doing, so why don't we turn to him right now. John, how are you? I'm great. Yeah? Good. Good. Thanks for giving me that to work with. That's that's a that, way, to, way to waste some time. Yeah, that's your entire goal with doing that bit every single time. <laughs> We need to waste time. These chapters were fast. <laughs> these were fast chapters. If if these chapters were a, a video game, they'd be Sonic. Making it like I'm just trying to waste time for no good reason, but really it's so that the episode's not eight minutes long. Aww. I mean, it's just, it's just Darth Maul isn't in the first chapter, but some shit goes down. Then he's in the same room where the shit went down. Then he meets the warden. Yay. All right. Well, anyway. episode's done. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Why not support us on Patreon or something? <laughs> Send us five pounds of rice. Oh, I thought you were going to ask for five pounds sterling. Hmm, I wouldn't mind five pounds sterling. Hmm. I, I, I mean, it seems like a, it'd be a lot of work for someone to get that to us. Yeah, but, you know, it would be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. For I them, can't wait to obviously. have some of, some of your useless British money. Ah. Uh. All right, here we go. Uh, we st- <laughs> You want to just get into it? I mean, we can. I'm just saying. All that You're I'm just saying, saying. what? Yeah, and, and what is that? What What is it that you are saying? Is that of the two of us, <laughs> the one who has more to say about how you doing is probably not me. Oh, you mean I've got a lot of shit to say about how I'm doing? That's right. I'm doing fine. I am... Uh... I'm going. Th- I'm in a lot of lab work right now because of a lot of medical shenanigans. I mean, thankfully, thankfully, I'm not in the hospital. I get to stay at home. But oh my God, is there? I'm I'm seeing every kind of specialist. Yeah, and you're all punch I've drunk, had- tired. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't because I keep having to fast before I go in or get like a million weird like tests before I get to go home. And then when I get home, I you know still have a kid I have to take care of. So it's not like. A- there's no breaks, is what I'm trying to get at. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm 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 great. I am definitely at the top of my game. Oh yeah, you're really bringing the A game. I can tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honestly, I'm at a point where if they referred me to like a podiatrist or something, I'd be like, yeah, fucking whatever. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I need to go see a podiatrist because because definitely the thing that's wrong with my kidneys got to my feet. Well, yeah, you got I don't know the gout. I, at this point, it would not surprise me. You know that scene in The Simpsons where, like, they tell, uh, what's his face? The Mr. old one. Burns. See Montgomery Burns that he's got every kind of disease ever and that, like, that's what's keeping him alive. Holy Christ, what an airplane going by. Anyway. Oh, what exciting times for you. Boy, should we just start this episode over? This all sucks. Nah, you suck. Oh, that's harsh. You, basically, you're just confirming that if we did start the episode over, it wouldn't fix anything. That's true. Nothing gets yeah. better. 
Don't make me tap the sign. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of medical stuff, and it's not over. I'm only about, I, I would venture a guess that I'm about a third of the way into it. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, I did, however, have enough time, thankfully, because I've been sitting in a lot of waiting rooms to read the fucking chapters, so I'm ready to go. Hell yeah. So why don't we just dive right in and talk all about chapter 19, In the Time of Dying. As I lay dying in a med bay. I think it's actually in my time of dying. I apologize for the error. Uh, you know, that it's it's an easy mistake to make. So anyway, we're still following along Art again and, e- and Owen. Yeah. Uh, the father and son team. Last time we got mostly just the verbal stuff that was going on in the med bay because the warden was trying to get, you know, the like various systems back on and she could hear through the med droid, but couldn't really mm-hmm. see what was going on, but she knew voice doc, like knew the name. Yeah. And now uh, we get to just sort of jump back and then have that entire bit of conversation that we had in that chapter again, but now we're there. Yes, exactly. Now, uh, Artigan and Owen are, st- Owen is 100% on a train of please don't do this. And I, at a certain point, I feel like the, the die has been cast. Owen, there's only so much, uh, saying no, you can do before your dad already agreed to, to lock himself in a med bay with an evil prison guard. Yeah. I mean, by the time you're in there and you're like, Oh, we're, Locked in a med bay with this prison guard. Uh, the alarms are going off. People are going to find us. And he, Owen is still like, Oh, but dad, I wanted to prove I can fight. Dad, he's gonna betray us. And it's like, at this point, it doesn't matter if this fucking guy betrays us or not. There is blaster fire outside this room. Yeah, right now we're dealing with someone that will probably betray us. And people that will definitely kill us. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to betray us. They're just going to viciously punish us for our transgressions. Oh, yeah. And at this point, you also have to look at Owen and be like, all right, you've already had confirmation from your old man that you suck and aren't able to fight. And he's like, we got to get out of here because I'm going to die if we don't get out of here. And at that point, he's still like, nah. I don't wanna. And I'm like, you are a whiny little bitch. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, he had to be, or else he might have been able to fight. Yeah, well. So uh, he's gonna get he's gonna get his ass kicked fairly quickly in this chapter. But basically, yeah, he's just constantly being like, this voice doc guy's got no reason to stay on board. He's probably gonna spin this and kill us. Also, while all this is happening, uh, Artigan, the father keeps noticing things flitting around in the darkness because they're in a the med bay's pitch dark well yeah they had to shut off Uh, all the power in order to actually have a chance of making it into the med bay because otherwise all of the various cameras and systems and whatnot that are set up would just immediately catch them yeah exactly so the med bay's pitch dark they they can't see a thing but artigan trained through his years of being a professional pit fighter and prisoner and what have you keeps noticing things whipping around in the margins and he's like there's something in here and voice talks like relax you i sealed up the door behind me you saw me do it yeah and you know if i hadn't then 
you know, the guys you hear with blasters would already be in here. So, you know. Yeah. Now, uh, eventually, uh, after some hemming and hawing and back and forth and so on, Voig- uh, uh, the Medroid is at least partially reprogrammed to do the job. Yeah, I mean, it does at least stab into Owen. Now, we don't yeah. know for sure if it gets the job done, but it did at least stab into him, so it is possible that Owen is no longer all bombed up. Yeah, it could be that he's bomb free. We don't we don't know. Uh, it, it could all be a complicated double bluff. But basically, the very second that the droid manages to get needles into him and withdraw them, the droid goes flying backwards. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they're obviously already going to know and are like, OK, well, what the fuck is going on? And Voistock just comes right out. And he's like, did you really think Radik would let you out of here after what you know about him in his seat of power? Yeah, obviously Voistock is, is the assassin is going to kill them on Iram Radik's behalf. And as always, just to make sure you remember the details of what's going on here, Iram Radik is some sort of hyper secret arms dealer who is so secretive and private that he kills anyone who even knows about him. Yeah, that's... The joy of this prison for him is that, you know, if anybody finds out about him here, nobody escapes, and basically everyone dies during fights, so he's fine. Yeah, but apparently Artigan knew some shit, so he can't leave, and he's like, what? I gave you everything I had, Voistock. What the fuck is this? And Voistock just throws the string at him and is like, what the fuck? Do you, are you kidding? You, you, uh, Radik knows anything about you. You can't leave. Yeah, and of course, Owen's like, what? Who? What is, What's going what on? What is this nonsense? Father, what is he talking about? Father. I thought I could fight. <laughs> father, father, we, we have chocolates. I'm, I'm ever so confused, Father. <laughs> father, I'm like a dainty to... lad, and I want to do fisticuffs. <laughs> father, if we're, if we're through here, I'd like to return to my cell and read upon my tuffet. <laughs> You know I've made my own Tuffet, Father. Uh, while everyone else uh, in the prison was making shanks, Owen was making a Tuffet. He's a Tuffet crafter. He he uh, he learned that from his mom, and it's one of the many reasons he'll never be a good fighter is because he spent too much of his early life learning to craft fine Tuffets. Oh, yeah. he'll <laughs> He has the dainty fingers of a Tuffetster. <laughs> I wonder if there is an old-timey term for someone who made Tuffets, which I have to assume were like a... I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'm picturing basically like a, a combination stool and cushion. <laughs> Some kind of combo stool cushion. Uh, yeah, I'm looking them up now, and they're just super low, very, very padded stools. Great. Okay, they're exactly what I thought they were. I was right. And also, apparently, their primary uh, definition isn't the footstool or low seat. It's a tuft or clump of something. Yeah. I, <laughs> I got so- a clump of something for you. I was about to say, poop can be a tuffet if you try hard and believe in yourself. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so anyway, while this kid is is desperately begging to go home and, and you know, occupy his fine tuffet work, uh, he gets elbowed in the face. Oh, yeah. Voice talk's just like, all right, you big dumbass. We're done with you. And just one hit sends him spiraling and essentially knocks him out because he does not move for the rest of this chapter. And I'm like... Yeah, kid, <laughs> if he you might can't have even take for a punch, yeah, you yeah. you are definitely fucked. 
He gets elbowed in the face. His head snaps sideways. He flies backward and lands on one of those rolly carts that doctors have with like a bunch of scalpels and drills and stuff on it. Oh, yeah. You got to do that action movie sequence where you're in like a surgery room where someone has to go flying into the tray of, you know, scalpels and shit so that I got to be honest. I had all kinds of genre expectations based on exactly that. And and basically, I was like, okay, what's going to happen is that he'll prove that, hell yeah, he can fight when he stands to his feet, you know, with a bunch of fucking scalpels. Oh, and that is exactly what I thought, too, was, right. you know, Voistock and then Artigan were going to get into a fight, and then fucking Owen would show up and just, like, shank a scalpel into the side of Voistock's neck or some shit. But no. Yeah, get him with the orthopedic drills or whatever they were. Just murder this man. But no, he's going to stay unconscious for the next at least two chapters. Oh, yeah. He's not getting up to give anybody the vascular clamps. Yep. Now it's time for Voistock and Artigan to fight. And as it stands, as we've established over previous chapters, Artigan can't fight no more. He's he's busted. He's t- He's had one punch to the head too many, and his hands are all wobbly, and he is not ready to go to work. Oh, yeah. Like... He manages to lunge at Voistock and mm-hmm. mostly just gets the crap beat out of him for a bit. But he did accomplish one thing, which is he managed to get the detonator away from Voistock so he can't just blow his heart up. Yeah, so Voistock can't blow up uh, his heart, but he doesn't really care. And then the two of them just kind of get into a big yelling match for quite a while. Because uh, it specifically... At this point, they start. They stand and they face each other, and uh, Voistock reaches for the detonator, doesn't have it. He's like, I don't need that. I'll murder you with whatever. I've got a gun, stupid. Yeah, but apparently Artigan thinks that for some reason he would be under, like, command from Radik to not kill him. Yes. Uh, he, so he's like, what? He would never let you kill me. And we do have a reason. We'll establish it in the next chapter. Yeah, but... But, you know, uh, Voistock's just like, no, the only thing he told me was to not let you escape. He didn't say I couldn't kill you. And then he shoots Artigan's leg off. In <laughs> a way that normally doesn't really exist in Star Wars. Normally when you get hit with a blaster, it's like, ow, I got, you know, a laser through me and instantly cauterized. And in this one, it was like, oh no, this <laughs> blaster bolt hit his leg and exploded it. Yeah, I was honestly surprised to, to go back through on a second reading and establish that it was indeed a blaster. I was fully prepared to learn that Voistock has just a fucking gun. Yeah. He was like, no, I want a gun. I want I, I want blood to get all over shit. That's my goal in life. Nope, he does not indeed have whatever those are called, like... A slug thrower. Uh, slug thrower. I was like, it's not bolt thrower. That's 40k. Yeah, no, it's, it's slug thrower or slug launcher. In Star Wars, yeah, although that's, I think that's a role-playing boy. game thing. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he's got a blaster. I think he just had it set to goop. I just, it's so weird to me that you would be like, ah, yes, I shoot your leg and it explodes in gore and gristle and there's a ragged stump. And I'm like, that has never happened. I mean, Schreiber, I get it. This is your signature. This is what you mm-hmm. do. I understand it's just yeah. weird to me. Like, you wouldn't have had him get some other means of doing this if that's what you needed. Yeah, take a drill to him or something. If you want some goop, then you got to use the tools of Star Wars that generate gore and goop. Oh, yeah. 
You can't be like, and then he got hit by a lightsaber and his head fucking exploded. <laughs> That'd be awesome if lightsabers basically did scanners. Ah, just get poked with a lightsaber in the leg and then your head goes. <laughs> it would make the lightsaber fights a lot more serious. You'd think they do less flipping and spinning. Oh, yeah. If like if they even touch you anywhere ever with it, your head pops. Then they'd be like, <laughs> OK, maybe I'll quit with the needless a- a- acrobatics and rolling it around behind my back like I'm in the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> Anyway, uh, now that Artigan is down and leg, uh, de-legged, this is a good time for Voice Doc to do a little gloating. So he's like, ha-ha, you'll be a cripple the rest of your life. You'll never fight again. Which, Enjoy you know, the excruciating pain. He, he was already never going to fight again. Like, yeah, great. <laughs> well, maybe Voice Doc didn't know that. Maybe maybe he had been keeping his uh, his cra- his busted arm nerves a secret from the guards somehow like i'm sure that that what's his name daiquiri probably knows all about it i mean i figured he like he told him when he gave him the kipu originally and was like yeah here's all my money we got to get the hell out of here he can't fight i can't fight see i figure he's just talking about the boy the whole time i gotta get the fucking boy out of here the boy can't fight you know the boy can't fight was uh, was where i was coming from but you play a good game boy Hell yeah, I do. I got Mega Man 2 on that thing. Okay, um, so at this point, Artigan buys himself a little bit of time. I don't remember, does he see another shape moving around in the shadows that oh, gives no. him this? Or He just he essentially just, decides he just, it's time to be a badass. Yeah, because he has a big old speech, so he's like, he's like, you shall, you're going to, uh, what, what's the deal? Uh, you it's have no to, small thing to take a man's yeah. die, make a man's dying bed. That's what it was. He basically has a long speech about honor and so on. Uh, so he's just he he gives this long kind of rambly speech about honor and the death of people and how he was an important fighter who won a lot of important fights and blah blah blah. And he, he doesn't know it, but really he's just buying time because when he's done talking, uh, Voice Doc rises, raises the gun to shoot him, and gets his neck snapped. Oh yeah, just swiveled right on around backward. <laughs> hmm. 180 degrees so that he gets to look his killer in the eyes with cold, unseeing dead man eyes. Cause it's Jagannath. Jagannath. You know, you know, Darth Maul. It's, it's old Darthy Mauls. Yeah. Darthy Molly. That's what they called him in high school. <laughs> oh, oh, Molly DJ Shore. They... Darthy Mauls. <laughs> uh, and, uh, that's pretty much the chapter basically to, cause Darth Maul obviously is a Zabrak a few words. So after he murders Voice Talk and lets his corpse collapse to the ground, Art- Artigan is like, it's you. And he just goes, talk, you know, with his weird Ray Park weird eyes. Yeah. It's weird to me that, you know, the next chapter is now, of course, Maul asking questions about Iron Radik from uh, Artigan. But like, mm-hmm. I get that he's a bad guy and he doesn't care. But I feel like I'd still try and stop the bleeding to keep him alive long enough that I could get the information I need. Yeah, I think I don't think you're wrong. Um, it's weird that he doesn't even like throw a turn. He's in a medical bay. He has time to do this kind of stuff. But yeah, he doesn't do it. No, it just immediately he's like, hey, what do you do for Iron Radik? Why won't he let you leave? I'm the one who rattles yeah. the cages. Yeah, I think I think he basically has planned or already planned this out. He knows enough about Artigan as a person uh, based on just a quick 
glance at him to be like, oh, this is an honor guy. After all, he heard that speech. The move, the movement in the room earlier was clearly him. Oh, yeah. So so uh, basically he's like, look, here's the deal. Your son is still in here and he's still alive. I, you know, he doesn't even say I can't do anything for you, but that's what he's trying to get across. He's like, you're dead. You're definitely dead already. Tell me what I want to know and I'll help your son. Yeah, I can protect him. Just tell me what I want to know. Like, you tell me about Iron Radik, and I'll make sure your son doesn't get just absolutely ganked the next time he is anywhere in Gen Pop. I mean, to be fair, the, the protection he's offering is pretty minimal, uh, given that he still can't stop uh, Owen from dying in a forced fight. No, but he can at least be like, well, I'm in charge of both of the big gangs now, and yeah, that's true. if I tell people, like, hey, don't fuck with this kid, then at least the only way he's going to die is from the, you know, fights instead of just someone being like, oh, look, a little baby who can't do anything. I'm going to go get a... <laughs> I'm going to go stab him while he's on his tuffet and take his tuffet. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's just a person who appreciates fine tuffetsmanship and is going to go take that tuffet for himself. Oh, my. Look at that genteel tuffetry. Why, it must be mine. Tuffets are highly prized among the Nogri people, and I, Strabo, shall have it. Because we're so small, it's like a regular chair for us. <laughs> I can sit in them and still be at dick-biting height. <laughs> My That's seat of power. The most important thing for Nogris whenever they sit down is they need to be at dick-biting height. Any, well, any height above or below that, and they just get real antsy. Well, yeah, it's it, it, not just sitting down, but in all situations. No Grease strive to be at the exact right height to bite the dicks of the big people who threaten them. Yeah, look, I don't want to have my back against a window, and I don't want to be at any height but dick biting. I know. I like the corner table at dick biting height. Please and thank you. That is <laughs> I like, how I go to the Italian restaurant. I like the corner table at dick biting's, my favorite diner. <laughs> and uh, what will you be having today, sir? The dick. The dick. A big plate of steamed dick, please. Please put it at mouth height. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, uh. well, you know, these things will happen. Uh, <laughs> so it turns out, we, this is when we finally understand why Iram Radik has any kind of connection to Artigan at all. Artigan, it's not that he knows some secret about Iram Radik. It's not that he has in, inside information. It's that 20 years ago accidentally he saved Iram Radik's life. Yeah. And we had already heard a rumor about like, Oh, you know, I heard someone who said that he saved Radik's life and, and then, you know, nothing ever came of it. You're like, yeah, okay. It's, it's this guy. We get it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think this, I don't think Artigan here is supposed to be the guy who showed up in the prison looking for Iram Radik. Uh, but yeah, that's, the, the the story that he's the person who saved his life and it got him nothing. Radik don't care. He doesn't. He, he has no code of honor. But that's what that's what Artigan was yelling about when he was like, he wouldn't send you to kill me. I saved his life once. Yeah. So twenty years ago on Lactine Depot near the Giju Run, saved mm -hmm. his life. We don't actually and even know this... what he did to save his life because at that point nope. he is dead. <laughs> Yeah, he's really close to dead at this point, and Maul can hear the blasters and drills outside, and it's like, okay, they're going to be in here in like 20 seconds. I got to get this information. So just tell me, you're about to die. Where is Iram Radik? 
And this is, uh, t- as far as I can tell, this might be this the last smart thing that Artigan does, where he d- rather than just answer the fucking question, he just goes, uh, Owen, Owen knows everything. Yeah, well, we we clearly know he doesn't, you know, consciously know everything. He might know it without realizing, but he doesn't even know the name Iram Radik. So, hmm. Yeah, who knows what he actually knows and so on. For my money, this this might just be a bluff on Artigan's part where he's like, oh, if you feel like Owen has secret information, you're less likely to just murder him. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, after I give you the information, my promise means nothing to you. Hmm, hmm. So at this point, that that's pretty much the last thing that happens. Owen knows everything, and then there's a gun at the back of, of Darth Maul's head. Yeah, lights come up, guards burst in, and... You know, Maul's not supposed to reveal that he is a powerful Sith and he can't, you know, use a lightsaber to murder everyone. So he's just like, all right, well, sure, do whatever you want. Yeah, he's not allowed. Exactly. He's not allowed to just go ham. So he's just like, fine, I surrender. Whatever. Who cares? Uh, and that's pretty much the end of the chapter. He he just sort of gets uh, dragged up. He gets lifted on his uh, on his uh, by his armpits by a couple of guards and more or less forced to follow them out of the building and has to leave behind the now definitely dead Artigan and his still unconscious son. Yeah. And they've got orders to take you directly to the warden. Yeah. You're going to get warded. And we start up right again, right away. Three chapters in a row of just staying with one storyline. This is pretty impressive. Oh yeah. Given the normal books that we read, Having shit actually flow and progress one thing to another without really jumping around all over the place to other storylines, it's so nice. Yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful. Uh, and we get a, re- a reoccurring character because the guard who is right behind Darth Maul in this sequence is the one we met during the flashback about Darth Maul's introduction to the prison. Yes. Uh, uh, Smite. Officer Smite, the one who... Tries to act tough, cool, but is actually with a cool just name a baby. Like that, I'm sorry. Why? <laughs> why you keep trying to while I'm speaking? Huh? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck a samoflange is. No, I'm all I meant to say is that with a really cool name like Smite, you're probably thinking this guy's some kind of badass. But no, he's a little baby. Well, yeah, he just you know he likes to play pretend. He's got that whole yeah. you know prison experiment thing where he's like, I'm the guard. I'm I'm a guard. I'm I'm a badass, and Maul will have none of it. He's gonna fake it till he makes it. Yeah. So uh, basically, he's just like, "Hey, I'm gonna point this, uh, touch you with this gun." And Darth Maul's like, "If you touch me with that gun again, I'm definitely going to kill you." Yeah. Just at and that point, he's like, "Okay." Doesn't say anything, but doesn't poke him again with the gun. So clearly, Smite easily cowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The point's been made. I wonder if Smite's going to be one of the people who survives this just because he's, uh, you know, he, he, he's he been nice to Darth Maul for the most part and doesn't try to push his luck. Oh, just at the very anyway, end, he's now- like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I told you I would kill you last. <laughs> but I'm a Sith, so I lied. Nah. Since you're last, I guess that means I won't I won't kill you. Yeah. Away. Okay, so now it's. It's time to meet Siddiqui Bleer. Indeed. We get our first in-person meeting between Maul and the Warden. And uh, the yep. Warden is 
you know, to her credit, Sadiki is actually fairly canny. You know, mm-hmm. we get a lot of from Maul's perspective on things where, like, even she is able to sort of be manipulative and, you know, hide intentions and things from him. So that's pretty fucking good. Yeah, well, she's a good administrator. She's good at what she do. Mm-hmm. And what she do ain't pretty. Hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the the nice thing is the way that it starts is uh, basically the smite walks her into the building and is just like, all right, now tell her what you did to voice talk. Because, you know, he thinks that's what this is about. Oh, yeah. And, and, and he's she, like, and oh, she just, he, he had an accident. Oh, you liar. And she's parking liar. <laughs> so he's like, I could not give less of a fuck about voice talk. Yeah, voice talk already. Uh, if he w- didn't die in that room, he was going to get fired and then killed on his way out the door. Oh, yeah. Like, we already had audio of him definitely helping an escape attempt. And even if he was going to betray them, still fucked up our power system and screwed things up. And, uh, yeah, no, fuck that guy. Yeah. So poor Smite is just like cowed and shoved to the back of the room. And she's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever happened to that guy happened to that guy. I need nothing with that. But what I am very interested in is having you look at this chart, Darth Maul. Oh, yeah. She's like, ooh, yes, you thought you were in here because of escape attempts or killing a guard. But it turns out I have a secret brain chart that you need to look at. Yeah, this is kind of a cop-out. I mean, I understand we're in the era of midichlorians, and we know that that Force-sensitive people are detectable, but she shows him an electroencephalograph reading that's been taken of him, and he looks at it, and there's a big spike on it, and she's just like, do you know what that spike is? He's like, no, I have no idea, and I don't fucking care. And she's like, that's the Omicron spindle! And the only people who have an Omicron spindle are super powerful telepaths. Yes. Normally, this area of the cortex is never used on this level. Not even in REM sleep. Yeah, which means that she knows that he's... I mean, I assume that she probably thinks he's a force user because this is an era when that's a thing. But again, she doesn't really care about that so much except that there's value for her in it if I mean, he's a force user there are actual like non force yeah. telepaths so it's possible. there are but it's almost always it's almost always a species thing and she probably has seen a zabrak before <laughs> i i can tell i have seen some zabraks in my time yeah you can tell from some of the pixels of those little horn things so she's like, you know, if she knows anything about Zabrax and she's got like a medical droid who gave her all this information in the first place anyway, she could just be like, hey, medical droid, should Zabrax be telepathic? No. Okay, great. Then he's definitely probably a force user. Yeah. I mean, the fact that this is taking place when we have Jedi running around and are actually, you know, part of the Republic, it's not like the later Star Wars stuff where the idea of someone being a force user would be very weird because everyone assumes they're all dead. Now, one thing about this is that this is basically her just straight up signing her death warrant because uh, the <laughs> Sidious's orders. No one in here can know that you're a force user. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't know that. She just thinks, yeah. ooh, I've got some sort of leverage on him because, hey, 
I know you have a secret, so I want you to do something for me. And of course, Maul doesn't care. He's like, mm, nah. Yeah, well, it's funny because he doesn't really care, but he, he probably ought to because, again, right now she's like, hey, I'm willing to keep this secret about you because you're a great fighter in the arena. And he should be like, oh, okay, good. Please do keep the secret for now because I don't want to get in trouble. Mm. I mean, again, she doesn't come out and say, hey, you're a force user. She's just like, ooh, you've got a secret. And I'm like, do you Yeah. Do you think he's just regular telepathic? Like, is that what's going on? Because you didn't just come right out and say, like, hey, hey, are you a Jedi? Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, uh, she he throws the uh, the tablet back and doesn't throw it to her, but, like, throws it under her desk. Yeah, he sees... There's a tiny little, almost imperceptible green light that's coming from mm-hmm. underneath the desk. So he's like, oh, hold on. And instead of, you know, giving the tablet back, just throws it under the desk so he can actually see what's under there. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> a clever move to throw a reflective tablet down to take a look. Unfortunately, all it is is one of uh, one of Owen's finely crafted green glowing tuffets. <laughs> Ah, yes, you know, my she, tiniest of glowing tuffets. Yeah, well, you know, this room needed a tuffet, uh, so... And it glows the because these are from up. mouse yeah. raves. Well, it's Star Wars times. Everything glows in Star Wars times. The Star Wars times. Yeah, you know, a long, long time ago. In a galaxy okay, far at away. This, <laughs> exactly. At this point, uh, Smite is, like, summarily just kicked out of the room. Oh, yeah. She's like, all right, uh... You know what? I'm gonna talk to this guy by myself. And yeah, so you, you just know, the rest fuck of them are along. like, are you sure? And she's like, Am I stuttering? Get the fuck out of my room. I have already made it clear that I could not have been more overjoyed that Voice Doc died because he was an incompetent Jagoff. If you would like to prove yourself an incompetent Jagoff, you can also die. Yeah. Now, once everybody in the room fucks off except for Darth Maul, she immediately launches to the meat of the matter. And this is the reason that she kicked everyone out, because she's so confident about Darth Maul uh, that she's willing to tell him that she fixes the fights. Yeah, you were not supposed to survive the match with the Wampa. Yeah, and that's an interesting turnaround, because remember, we were talking about how we thought that perhaps the Wampa was built to be killed. Oh, yeah. I mean, they built a a weak spot into him. I still have no idea what the hell that's supposed to be, because I was like, oh, okay, if he wasn't supposed to win, then why was the Wampa all fucked up? Well, we actually there was someone in our comment thread who had a really good idea about that that I thought was worth bringing up on the show, uh, that he might be a holdover of uh, zombie stuff from one of the other books that he was he, he was a Wampa with the Black Rose Ultra zombie plague in him. Yeah, but from that book. Like, nothing actually stopped them from killing things. Like, bursting his heart was not a thing that would stop a zombie. That's a good point, given that those zombies were like, oh, you take my head off? I'm still just a zombie head. They didn't follow any of the standard zombie rules. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows? Anyway, there was a fucked up Wampa, and he wasn't supposed to win the fight. Uh, He was supposed to lose and die, but she thinks that he knew that. And I'm curious, do you think he knew or... Honestly, I I feel like he just doesn't fucking care. Oh, yeah. I mean, when 
<laughs> you declare something like you weren't supposed to win against the Wampa. Like, yeah, obviously you made me fight a fucking Wampa. No shit. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to win. Some kind of big cyborg Wampa or something. Obviously you wanted me to lose that fight. Duh. I just don't fucking care because I'm Darth Maul. But she at least also comes out with like, all right, so I know you're not sharing a whole bunch of stuff with me. Like why you're searching for Irem Radik? Eh? Uh, yeah, exactly. So so she's willing to kind of, she's not really going to work with him. Basically, she's just like, hey, now we have secrets on each other. Who gives a shit? Uh, who are you working for? Is it the Desilogic clan? Do you work for the Huts? For the record, those are two different versions of pretty much the same thing. The Desilogic clan is just Jabba's clan of Huts. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't say anything because obviously he's Darth Maul and he doesn't well, give anything away. Yeah. Maul, Maul never talks. But uh, she's and, like, uh, all right, well, if you're not going to tell me anything, I'm just going to keep matching you. Like, you'll just get just to like, shittier well, fights. Yeah, and he doesn't even fucking care, but he's like, oh, well, here's the deal. I don't want to talk to you about my whereabouts or your whereabouts or your secrets or whatever while there's a listening device in the room. Excuse me? Yeah, there's a device under your desk. It's a miniature microphone. I assume you didn't place it there. So, uh, yeah, someone's listening in on you. And that gets her to be like, oh, what the actual fuck? Yeah, like, obviously, she's pretty upset about that because she's been turbo betrayed by somebody. Uh, and, and also just now, I mean, she manages to keep her cool fairly well, given that she just admitted to fixing the fights and to knowing that Darth Maul is some kind of super fighter and all kinds. Of, she's basically just like, yeah, I fixed the fucking fights and I just told whoever was on the other end of that thing. Oh, yeah. And I mean, at this point, it's also like, oh, I have the best surveillance on every square inch of this place. And the fact that someone managed to get in here and put a listening device in there. Ooh, that's, that's a real stinger. Yeah, exactly. So basically she yanks the device out from under her desk, looks at Darth Maul and Darth Maul gets for the first time, I think ever with Darth Maul, a smirking one liner to end a chapter. Ah, yeah. He just goes, so I guess we're done. So, uh, I'm going to go now. (laughs) (laughs) He just does the Seinfeld meme. (laughs) Nope. Nope. All set. Thank you. No, he just sort of sits there. And and again, in a chapter that just pretty much follows this chapter, we jump not to where Darth Maul is going, but to the person who planted the listening device. Yes. The only person who's had any sort of access to that desk, Vesto Sliffer. Yep. Because Vesto Sliffer works for Darth Plagueis. And he's here with his own set of weird secrets and agendas and what have you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Now, he, unlike Maul, who is like, oh, I'm just going to get some random communication device that's been cobbled together by one of the dudes in the prison and call up my my Darth Daddy. This guy, because he is like the head of the international banking clan, has straight up James Bond Q-Tech that is given to him. Yes, which is adorable because he's not really like a super murder spy. He's actually, he's just a corporate spy. Yeah, he's just some corporate motherfucker. And he's like, all right, well, you know, normally all the like listening devices and the little bugs and nonsense that I place are standard procedure. Like that's just what we do because 
we're the banking clan and we're the worst. Yeah. But this, ooh, he's got something new. The boys down in R&D have whipped up something special. Yeah, our boys in in writing whipped this one up. (laughs) Never happened. (laughs) Have you ever believed in the power of a curse? How much money would it take to get you to spend the night in the cemetery? (laughs) All right. Uh, So, yeah, he didn't even want it. But they gave him a little blue cylinder, which is apparently just a very, very powerful communicator. I kept expecting this thing to be some sort of super bomb. And honestly, I think it still might be. No, it's the super disguise thing. The blue witch that he has just sort of shuts off the ability for anything to see him. Yeah. Any electronic device cannot see him. Uh, it's, It's a perfectly invisible lens flare. Uh, that that makes it so wherever he goes in a room, he can't be sighted, which means that he was perfectly fine to place that surveillance device. He'd never be noticed because he has a, a special blue thing in his pocket, which apparently gets quite hot. <laughs> so hot. And he didn't want it. He was like, no, I have my own gear. I'm a, I'm a badass spy of my own accord, but not a murder spy, just like a really cool corporate one. Yeah, but his master, Higo Damask, a.k.a. Darth Plagueis... Was like, no, fuck you. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Makes him take it anyway. And in this scene, he is basically going to call Darth Plagueis and kind of give a report. And Plagueis is even more of an asshole on the phone than Sidious is. <laughs> uh, because he calls him up with, he gets an unbelievably great signal, even though it should be theoretically impossible. Like, he can't just see the big old floating hollow face of Plagueis behind his cool mask and big hood, but also, like, the trees in the ba- in the background behind him. Like, he can hear the cries of birds in the distance. It's real yeah. good. And immediately, Plagueis is to, or, to mask. I don't think this guy is supposed to know that this is Plagueis. No. To uh, mask is like, all right, what have you learned? And he uh, has to be like, well, nothing. <laughs> uh, not a lot. Hmm, did you meet Maul? Nope. No, I can. I, I'm not able to get to Maul, uh, but I. But luckily, we do get a right away an acknowledgement that he has heard a conversation between the two of them. He he actually heard the warden call that that just happened. Yeah. So she doesn't know anything, and he denies knowing about Radik. So at uh, that yeah. point, <sighs> Sliffer ends up being kind of silly. I mean, I understand what's going on, but man, if you've ever dealt with evil boss or you know redundantly a boss and (laughs) they're like uh yes i have sent you to gather the information on this one thing and he's just like have we considered that information doesn't exist (laughs) and plagueis is like fuck you it does yeah always a bad decision if he tells you there isn't this thing you got to be like you gotta you're 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 uh, basically signing a death warrant This dude's definitely going to murder you if you argue with him for even a second. You can kind of tell. I mean, even if, like, he doesn't know that Damask is Plagueis, but Damask runs the entire IBC. Like, he's the one in charge of all of the clans that are Mm -hmm. the Moon IBC clan guys. So it's just going to the boss of your company and going like, yeah, but I think your plan's dumb. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I got to be every time I see IBC, I'm like, damn it, I want root beer. So 
I'm I'm hating that they keep giving them that name. <laughs> Can't we just call them the banking clans? Okay, so basically, after a quick begging for information, he starts just getting shut off by Damask because he's like, "Hey, look, if I knew why I was here, maybe I could." No, look, if we knew who Maul's no. controller was, no, I know who it is. Shut up. I I know what I need to know. You know what you need to know. Quit asking questions. And, you know, eventually he does manage to convince, excuse me, manages to convince Damas to give him just the tiniest bit of detail to prove that, that Iram Radik is a real guy. Well, I mean, he just goes like, hey, is it possible that this guy doesn't exist? Because, like, I've heard that he doesn't, and he's mostly just a rumor, and, you know, like a... Like, like a story told by some other guys to get the competition out. And <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, I, I've heard he's a ghost, basically just completely created by other arms dealers. And he's like, I is not a ghost. He is not a lie or a false front or a figment of your imagination or a mirage. <laughs> or hold or on, let me get the thesaurus. Hang on. He's not old man Withers trying to keep everybody out of his haunted amusement park. Uh, And then. The other neat thing about this, uh, like, communicator that he has is he actually can just bring up a full stream of data in front of him as well. So he's like, Mm -hmm. here, let me show you. 18 months ago, there was a Black Sun Syndicate uh, shuttle that docked here, and Mm -hmm. it had a whole load of explosives, and then didn't have it when it came back, and then it docked again and had a whole load of beradium. And then that left, and Vesto is no fool, so he's just like, wait a minute, those two things, is he making thermal detonators in here? I mean, I know that everyone in Star Wars is weirdly scared of grenades, but they could be possibly making grenades here. And he's like, that and worse. Oh, no. But yeah, at this point, he's like, look, I have all of the intelligence. When I tell you something is true, trust. Yes, exactly. Uh, and basically just says, if you waste my time with speculation anymore, it's your ass. Oh, yeah. He's like, you are here to do a job. Do that fucking job and quit trying to tell me how to do mine. Yeah. Now, incidentally, until you solve my problem, make contact with Darth Maul, figure out the Iron Radik situation, so on and so forth. You are not coming out of there. You are now a permanent resident of that prison. Yeah. He's like, look, which I find you amusing need to get me. The information on Radik before Maul does, and if you don't, fuck you. You're just there now. Yeah. I, I find that very confusing, because he, isn't he there under a false front? Like, what's going to happen when, when uh, Siddiqui Blair finally gets tired enough of this guy to try to get him to leave? And he's just like, uh, no, I need to keep staying in your guest bedroom. Well, uh, well, I mean, at that point, she can be like, hold on, you can't leave. I'm just going to put you in a prison cell. Exactly. She's going to suss it out and trap him, and then he'll be way less useful. Well, I mean, eventually. I assume that that will be long enough in the future that if he hasn't already gotten the information, Maul would have. So he's just sort of like, look, either you get it before him or you are a prisoner now. Like, those are your two options. Yeah. And uh, basically, uh, Sluffer tries to apologize. He launches into some sort of like, oh, sir, by the way, if I have accidentally disappointed you even slightly at any time, and he just gets hung on Bon. He's like, oh, if if I've offended you, sire, I I have these lovely tuffets I could click. (laughs) 
People love to watch Sith on the phone. I know I do. They're just such dicks on the phone, and it's always fun to see. Ah, yes, my favorite program, Dicks on the Phone, is the Mm -hmm. sequel to Crank Yankers. The important thing is that the phone is about no-gree mouth height. Yeah, I got about Mm -hmm. no-gree mouth height phone. One tough it up, or else it's not going to do the job. There you go. That's all the the in-jokes from the episode. Yeah, and that's all of the book for this episode. Those are all the chapters. That's every chapter in in great detail. Normally, these things take longer, but that's just because someone decided to use the four chapters in a row to tell a coherent story that just kept going. How dare they? I don't even know how to interact with this kind of thing. So there you have it. Um, I think we're pretty much done for the week, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're never truly done for the week. No, we can never actually stop. But uh, that's okay, because we are going to go make, and I know what you're trying to get at, it's time to go make bonus content. That's right. If you go over to patreon.com slash system mastery, and you support us at the $2 or higher level, you unlock our expounded universe bonus content. There's so much of it. Every goddamn week, we go to Wikipedia and find stuff. Boy, do we ever trick it, pick a tough format for ourselves, because it's not just that we go to Wikipedia. Each one of us has to do it separately and find a different dumb story about Star Wars to surprise each other with. It is a lot of fun. It is absolutely worth the price of admission, which, again, is two bucks over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash System Mastery. Hell yeah. And, of course, that also unlocks the bonus content for our System Mastery show. And if you bump up from there to the $5, you get our monthly afterthought. You get TV Mastery, where we're watching The Littlest Hobo right now. We have Mm -hmm. so much stuff. Oh, we have every content. We did all the content forever, and we're so good at it. So just go on down to that Patreon and support us. Otherwise, we'll see you real soon with more Star Wars content anyway, because that's how we do business. We give you so much free stuff, too. So much free stuff. And until, yeah, and until then, I've been Elan Sleesbagiano. And I love Tuffets. 